doesn't love a good old-fashioned talent show? I mean, that's basically what TikTok is, right? And singing is like the ultimate talent. That's why I'm trying to get really good. Psych! No, I'm not going to sing for you, but Will Ferrell is. And Rachel McAdams is. Because today we're talking about Eurovision, the international song contest that inspired the new Netflix movie. And I gotta say, the real thing is just as fun and crazy as the movie makes it out to be. So put on your sequence and get ready to belt those high notes, know-it-alls. I'm taking you across the pond for a spectacular European adventure. Hi, my name is Bella, and you might know me as Jay is from TikTok or YouTube. But you're about to know me from this podcast, Know-It-All. And each episode, I'm going to help you become a know-it-all about something new. Here we go. So the new Netflix movie, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, is an over-the-top comedy about an outcast singing duo from a small village in Iceland who have big dreams to compete in a famous song contest. Good evening, Europe! I don't want to spoil anything for you because you really should see the movie for yourself. It's a glorious, bedazzled, pyrotechnic reimagining of the real competition. And honestly... Will Ferrell can make a trip to the dentist seem fun. But today's episode is going behind the scenes of the Eurovision contest to explore the wacky reality of the decades-long annual tradition. Let the Eurovision Song Contest begin! So let's start at the beginning. The Eurovision Song Contest was inaugurated in 1956. It was an attempt by the European Broadcasting Union to bring the continent together after World War II. The first year, seven countries competed in four languages, and each country got to perform two songs. The original countries were Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, and Switzerland. And the winner was Liz Asia with her song Refrain from her host country, Switzerland. Though there was some controversy about the voting practices. Each participating country sent two jury members to cast their vote on the songs, except for Luxembourg, which was unable to send delegates. The original voting system was criticized on three main counts. One, it allowed secret voting. Two, it allowed the jurors to vote for the two songs representing their own country. And three, it allowed the Swiss jury to vote on behalf of Luxembourg. So when, lo and behold, the winner was from Switzerland... The other country said, Coincidence? I think not! Thus, this system was never repeated. After that, voting became visible, countries couldn't vote for themselves, and each country had their own jury representation. And in future competitions, each country was only allowed one song, not two. Now that's more like it! According to Vox Explainer, Eurovision is now a magical place where European countries, plus Israel and Australia, come together to battle it out using insanely elaborate costumes, glitter, and fireworks. In 2019, 41 countries took part in the competition that has basically become like the Olympics meets American Idol. The country that won the competition the previous year gets the honor of being the host city. But occasionally, another country will step in and host if that country doesn't have enough cash to host the festivities. And since it's an annual contest, each year has a different prom-like theme. For example, 
Share the moment. Feel your heartbeat. Light your fire. Yes, those are real Eurovision themes from years past. Let me guess, next year is going to be Stairway to Heaven? But the camp doesn't stop there. What was once a black tie affair has taken a bit of a fall from grace. According to Reuters, Eurovision is mocked for its mishmash of power ballads, ethnic rhythms, and bubblegum pop, with critics complaining that tactical voting by East Europeans is skewing the results. Basically, because the songs play to such a diverse international audience and countries want to be able to appeal to as many people as possible to gain votes, a lot of the Eurovision song selections end up having a super mainstream vibe. But there was a notable exception in 2006 when Finnish metal band Lordi, a group known for wearing monster masks and incorporating horror elements during concerts, took home first prize. Hallelujah! Hard rock! In a research paper called Eurovision Song Contests and the Kitsch Drive to EuroUnity, Paul Allitson notes that since Eurovision is a visual show, many performers try to lure judges through means other than music, such as lighting sequences, pyrotechnics, bizarre onstage antics, elaborate costumes, and even nudity. Oh la la. That is very European, but there's nothing wrong with leaning into your brand. There is one thing that is strictly forbidden, though, and that is lip-syncing. According to the rules, artists shall perform live on stage accompanied by a recorded backtrack which contains no vocals of any kind or any vocal imitations aiming at replacing or assisting the live original voice of the contestants. But if you have trouble hitting those high notes, there are still workarounds that won't get you disqualified. According to the WeWeBlog's Eurovision news site, certain acts have been using backup vocalists on stage to beef up their own vocal abilities for years now. However, 2017 is the first confirmed time that a performer lip-synced their entire performance. Lithuanian drag act Luida Zero's national final entry was a song called Get Frightened, and the key falsetto vocal came from one of her background dancers, but it was not a breach of the Eurovision rules because it was performed live. Okay. Maybe that's not considered breaking the rules, but it's definitely bending them. Sorry about us! One really cool thing about Eurovision is that over the years, it's been really embraced by the gay community. According to a 2007 article in the Society of Queer Studies Journal about sociology of Eurovision, many closeted gay men growing up in the 60s all the way to the 90s discovered Eurovision while they were still living at home with their parents. It was a much-needed refuge for many queer people before they could actually be out. Remember, in some parts of Europe, homosexuality has only recently been legalized. And it's not just the fans who have found a home in Eurovision. Queer performers have been embraced over the years as well. UK website Pink reports that the first LGBT-themed performance was at the 1986 contest when Norwegian singer Kettle Stocken made history by performing alongside a drag troupe called the Great Garlic Girls. And then in 2014, Austrian drag queen Conchita, who at the time went by Conchita Worst and was popularly known as the Bearded Lady, won that year's competition with a James Bond-style ballad called Rise Like a Phoenix. Without Eurovision, we'd be missing out on a huge piece of pop culture history, and we may have lost out on some huge stars like Celine Dion, ABBA, Greece star Olivia Newton-John, plus, of course, Ireland's pride, the Celtic dance troupe Riverdance. 
I can't imagine life without Riverdance. And frankly, I don't want to. With so many pop stars gathered in one place for the contest, the parties had to be popping, right? Wow, what a sharp observation, Captain Obvious. Thank you for your service. That is indeed the truth, and Party Central was a little place called Euroclub. Word alert! You know what that means, know-it-alls. I just got a word alert. Euroclub is, well, exactly what it sounds like. A pop-up nightclub specifically for Eurovision. Euroclub is a popular venue for Eurovision performers to congregate and for countries to throw parties during Euroweek. Ugh, if I have to say Euro one more time, I think I'm going to Euro throw up. 2020 has been a hard year for Eurovision. Scratch that. 2020 has been a hard year, period. And unfortunately, this year's Eurovision Song Contest was canceled due to the coronavirus. It was the first time the annual event had been canceled since it began in 1956, breaking the 64-year tradition. So thankfully, this year, we have Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams to soften the blow. I guess if you don't like that song, you don't understand Volcano Men. But there is one thing you should understand pretty well by now, and that's the Eurovision Song Contest. Honestly, I had never heard of it before working on this episode. Hit me up on TikTok and Instagram at OnlyJS or Twitter at NotJS and let me know if you're a new Eurovision fan like me or an OG. I gotta say, one thing is for sure, I'll be watching next year. And please smash those five stars and leave a nice review. It's super easy. And when you rate and review the podcast, it helps other listeners find me. Curious what the next episode of Know It All will be about? I'll give you a hint. What has large fangs but isn't a vampire? Think you know the answer? Leave a comment on social and I'll give a shout out to somebody who gets it right in the next episode. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Know It All.